You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. I think what you're trying to ask is uh, why am I so insistent upon giving out to them that blackness, that black power, that black pushing them to identify with uh, 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 black culture. I think that's what you're asking. It, it, I have no choice over it. In the first place, to me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world. Black people. I mean, and I mean that in every, every sense, uh, outside and inside. And to me, we have a culture that uh, is surpassed by, 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 by no other civilization, but we don't know anything about it. So again, I think I said this before in the same interview, I think uh, at some time before, my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of Intelligent Radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning to all the truth seekers out there, or intellectual outcasts is another name I like to call my listeners, and so thank you all for being tuned in with me. I have a very special guest on the line with me uh, this morning, uh, Brother Lamont Monty Evans, or Monty as, as he goes by. Um, if you will, King, if you will, say hello to my truth seekers out there. And if you will, um, give them a little bit of your background. You are the author of Recovering the Wounded Child. But I, you know, I'll say that. But if you'll give a little bit of more of your background, because you're involved in a lot of things. Uh, I met you years ago. Let me say this as well. You are one of the winner of our soapbox dialogues, which, I, which I, now that we're back outside, I hope to bring one of those on before the end of the year and get you back in that, if you will, King. Uh, but if you will, uh, say hello to the Truth Seekers and give them a little bit of your background. Well, hello, Truth Seekers. It's certainly a pleasure to be on with you this morning, Montoya. I want to thank you uh, in advance. Also, for those who uh, don't know me, Yes, my name is Lamont Monty Evans. Actually, I have an honorary doctorate degree, so you can call me Dr. Monty. Uh, I am the author of Recovering the Gifted Child Within, a 90-day guide and journal to healing trauma. But my daytime life and part-time evening life is running a business, uh, Moja Evans Consulting, which is a full-service small business and nonprofit development consulting firm. I also uh, oversee Healthy Black Communities which is a nonprofit organization, 21 years old, that uh, focuses on health education and disease prevention. And I serve as the overseer for Healthy Black Communities Promise Ghana in Ghana, West Africa, where I have an office. And we provide, provide capacity building and technical assistance to nonprofit organizations there, as well as do charitable work within school and vocational technical environments. 
Hey, brother, you you do a lot. I, I respect what you do. I've been able to support a little bit of what you do. I want to yeah. continue supporting and, you know, again, kind of sharing your expertise, if you will, on this morning's discussion. Um, for those of you are a first-time listener, again, I go by the name Black Socrates. We like to handle our shows in the form of a question. I always say if you ask the right questions, maybe you get to the right answer. Mm. So we kind of take a, if you will, a Socratic approach to the issues within our community. We are the best in the world at necessary conversations on race, sex, and culture. And I think this conversation is a very necessary one. And this morning's discussion question is, have you confronted your inner childhood wounds? Have you confronted Mm. your inner childhood wounds? I will say to a degree, this idea of an inner childhood, inner childhood, if you will, wounds or trauma, if you will, um, it's kind of new to me. I will say, I will say that um, if you know, being very honest. And I was like, wow, this is uh, something that once I understood what it was, I'm like, okay, this has always been around. I just never heard it, you know, terms mm-hmm. as if you will. Uh, but Monty, the way I like to start the show, I'm kind of putting you on the spot. Hopefully, you can handle this pretty simply. Um, but if you will, <laughs> uh, when you saw the question worded the way that it was, have you confronted your inner childhood wounds? Do you recall mm-hmm. what your first thought was just the first initial thought without going too in depth uh, initially? Uh, I think my first thought when I looked at the question was, of course, have I dealt with the beatings and the whoopings from my uh, mother and then the traumatic childhood environment that we accept as African-Americans as normal, which causes a lot of trauma later in childhood and definitely well into the adult life. Okay, so you went immediately to, and we've done shows on that, right? We've done, we've actually done shows on, in a sense, should you whoop your children? And literally just that comes, mm. what you're talking about specifically, just came up on, uh, for those that don't know, I also do a video podcast during the week called Just My Percent. Mm. And that particular issue mm. came up um, as we were kind of, discussing domestic violence, if you will, and one mm. sister, so it just, it's cool that you say that, but one sister, when we were talking about domestic violence, and I was having a conversation on the Just My Three Cents podcast where we were saying to parents, what are you saying mm-hmm. to your children about intimate mm. partner violence? And the reason mm-hmm. I was asking that question is because you know, the reality for us as African-Americans is, you know, our nuclear families, if you will, are not as intact as we would like for them to be. And so, mm-hmm. as I see, for example, domestic violence on the rise, I realize that, hey, without the nuclear family, what messaging are we actually receiving about that? And as one sister, she pointed this out, which kind of relates to what you just said. She pointed out and asked this question. She says, hey, if you, in a sense, are raised in a sense where you decide to, in a sense, administer the whip to your children, if you will, how do those children understand that when they get in intimate partner relationships, what's the difference mm-hmm. between my parents, if you will, beating me because I Absolutely. love you versus your intimate partner? And so it's just kind of, when you said that, it, it just triggered that thought. We were just talking about that mm-hmm. just a few days ago, in a sense, on that mm-hmm. show. And so I see that, mm-hmm. as you said, this went directly there. Now, ultimately, as we get into this, and hopefully I'll get my psychologist on today. Hopefully she'll be able to make it on or whatever. But I'm going to do my layman best with some of these terms. But, you know, even with mm-hmm. even a physical abuse aside, if you want to call it that, the inner childhood mm-hmm. is really more related to the psychology and the feelings that you have 
more so than the physical wounds, right? The inner childhood wounds is more of the issue. So I can imagine, you know, you writing the book, Recovering the Gifted Child Within, I would assume deals with some of that aspect because, you know, there is a lot of trauma that, you know, unfortunately a lot of people in our community may have experienced, whether it, you know, at the hand of, Mm -hmm. you know, your parents beating you. But again, it doesn't take Mm -hmm. just physical abuse. It's a lot of emotional abuse that in a sense can, can, can create these inner childhood wounds, if you will. So I can only imagine that to a degree, your book deals with some aspects of that from, from your perspective, um, Mm-hmm. What is your understanding of this inner childhood wounds? We're going to play some cuts that kind of define it specifically, mm-hmm. but just in hearing mm-hmm. that term in particular, uh, what what? How do mm-hmm. you look at that, or what do you think of when you hear that term, inner childhood wounds? So when I think of inner childhood wounds, of course I have to think of the origin of where they come from, because children are not inherently born wounded inside is that, that that has to come from an environment that inflicts those wounds externally and somehow the child absorbs them emotionally uh, and physically. And so when we look at trauma, right, is that trauma is defined as a deep emotional wound. And so some of the issues that children are dealing with and even adults who have not confronted their inner childhood wounds, they're dealing with the toxicity of stress that's been passed down from multiple generations. And so a word I want to introduce early on in our conversation is epigenetics, right? It's how the experience of previous generations affects who we are today. And so it's not that what my mother did when I was a child, let's say 40-plus years ago, it's not only what her mother and my grandfather did to her when she was a child, but we have to go all the way back to the origin of when it became sociable, acceptable for us to inflict hurt or harm physically on our children, not taking into consideration the internal internal hurt and harm that last that will last with them for a lifetime and affect their behavior, their relationships, their own internal value systems, what they feel they can do and cannot do. When we tell a child to shut up and be quiet around adults, Instead of inflicting that uh, statement on the child, explaining to them that there are certain environments where they can speak and should not speak, but then we have to also focus on as they grow older to help uh, introduce them to talking in adult environments. So that inner childhood wound that was inflicted when they were younger of not speaking, when adults are around, sometimes we create introverted children by the harm that we inflict on them when they're younger and that's one of the aspects of inner childhood wounds uh, that uh, I would uh, just submit. No, I love it. Thank you for that in-depthness. We're going to go to our first break. When we come back, we're going to get hot and heavy. I see the callers out there on the line. Y'all will have an opportunity to discuss this with us or even ask questions again. We have special guest Monty Evans, author of Recovering the Gifted Child Within, as we discussed this morning's discussion question, have you confronted your inner childhood wounds? We'll be right back. Well, all I ask is that you think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good, it should be illegal. 
But if you missed the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of intelligent radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. Do you need marketing designed specifically to compete in today's digital age? Well, look no further than Emoreage Digital Business Solutions, a marketing agency that's well-equipped to provide solutions to the challenges faced by businesses looking to acquire and retain customers in today's ultra-competitive marketing world. Whether it's video creation, website or logo design, mobile app development, social media and email marketing, or e-commerce design and development, Emoreds Digital Business Solutions has the answer. Visit them at emoredsdbs.com. That's E-M-O-R-E-J-D-B-S.com. Or call 864-221-3632. That's 864-221-3632. Emoreds Digital Business Solutions. We're the solution to your marketing challenges. Watching you um, talk to your younger self. I mean, you was watching the video. Like, at what point did you know your your inner child needed needed healing? Yeah, uh, it was a it was a years and years of finding out. I think 2016 was my like real. You know what, Mary? You have to really gather. You have to really gather all of you up. The young mm-hmm. you, the confused you, the the everything you just and just love all of you, you know, just love all of you. And I think that came, I can't say it came in 1994 or 1996 or in 2000. It just, it was a process of you got to love you, baby you, mm-hmm. older you, confused you, great you, clumsy you, whatever it is you mm-hmm. are, alcoholic you, whatever it is, you have to, to love you. And, and the child was, was, was suffering thinking everything was her fault. And that's that's the one that was making me feel ashamed. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I had to, you know, as an adult with all this confidence, you know, that I've, I'm developing, that's the one that I embraced the most because she hurt, she got hurt the most. Mm-hmm. What did you realize that? Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host Montoya Smith, aka Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, have you confronted your inner childhood wounds? Our special guest is Monty Evans. I'm going to bring in one of my Queens of Intellect members. I think this is you. Ashley, how you doing, Queen? You out there? Hey, good morning. Hey, glad to have you on, Queen. I don't know how long you can stay on, but I'm hoping to get the, you know, the doctor on. But I'm going to go ahead and bring you in this because you know I love to have <laughs> a woman's perspective on all of these discussions so if you got some time i'm going to keep you on until you say hey montoya i gotta go don't feel any pressure just stay on for as long as you want but um just for y'all to know um ashley thomas is one of my queens of intellect member who holds me down on hosting from time to time and so uh, i'm going to have you hold me down for as long as you can um if you will queen since you already raised your hand i don't know if you had any thoughts but we just heard a cut from uh, mary j blige on uh, the breakfast club 
talking to you know Charlemagne the God in a sense ask her about her inner child and what that experience was like and and a lot of times when we think of our celebrities and our superstars right we think hey that's the kind of world we would want to have and you know here he is throughout our lives we've kind of watched Mary kind of live out her life in front of us and so she's in a sense just now starting to recover her inner child but any thoughts uh, from you Queen in reference to this discussion question this morning um yes so first good morning monty i don't know if you remember me i was at the um last dinner um i'm the personal finance coach so um it's great to talk to you this morning um i so the whole reason i came on here because like this whole thing is so amazing to me i i love conversations like this because we don't have these conversations enough and when we don't have them there's so much guilt and shame that comes up that people aren't even aware of um, because there aren't safe spaces for these conversations. But um, I, if I can, there's this um, thing that I have saved on my phone, and I've had it for years, and it says, all the eggs a woman will ever carry form in her ovaries when she is a four-month-old fetus in the womb of her mother. This means our cellular life as an egg begins in the womb of our grandmother. Each of us spent five months in our grandmother's womb, and she in turn formed within the womb of her grandmother. We vibrate to the rhythms of our mother's blood before she herself is born. And I feel like it's so important to say because I feel like the inner child wounds that we experience, like some of it is not our own. Some of it is generational, right? Like we are carrying these traumas in our bodies, in the actions that we take, what happens when we respond, when we get triggered, right? When something makes us angry, um, there's something behind that. There's something that we have to question and explore so that we can get back to our original selves, like the person that we were before um, someone doing something made us upset or before someone doing something made us sad. Like we have to get back to that person and, Working with your inner child wounds just allows you to, like, go back in and see, this is where things started changing for me. This is where the sadness came from. This is where the introversion came from, right? Like, it's just an opportunity for us to see all the parts of ourselves without judgment, right? Like, uh, for me, it might be, oh, if I say something and I'm I'm pretty shy, so when I say something or, you know, I mess something up, I'm I'm thinking with that thought, but, like, trying to go back to the time where that first happened to me and giving myself love and comfort and grace for being human and, like, incorporating all of those things back into myself and no longer judging myself for being human. So I love the conversation. I'll be here for as long as I can. Um, I'm looking forward to the discussion because we need to have these things. A lot of the things that we carry are not our own, and it's time to, like, really put it down just so that we can enjoy life and enjoy each other. Now, I appreciate you so much for holding me down. I love that piece that you brought to the table. Very interested in because uh, I think it falls right in line with what Monty was mentioned prior to the break, so I would love to hear his thoughts in a sense to what you said, and I just, again, think that, piece about, as you said, in a sense, before your mother is born with the incubation time within the womb, um, how all of this can be connected, which I think is what Monty was speaking of when you used the term, I think you said it again, you can say it, say it better than I can, brother, but if you will, go ahead and just kind of jump in. Um, again, thank you, Ashley, for um, jumping on with us. Yeah, so I just wanted to 
Sure. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me bring him back live. I had him in the. I had you, had you muted, brother. Sorry about that. Uh, all right, Monty, you're live now. Epi- yeah, go ahead. Now you're live. Okay. Okay. The word you were trying to say was epigenetics. Uh, but uh, in reference to what the sister said, it is great to hear your voice again. Hopefully see you at the next meetup. Uh, I want to reference a quote by James Baldwin from his um, autobiographical novel called Go Tell It on the Mountain. Is that could a curse come down so many ages? Did it live in time or in the moment? And so when we think of the wound, right, and when a child is initially conceived, is that I'm not sure if parents are in black culture, black community, that we realize what a parent or a pregnant mother is going through externally is affecting the fetus and the womb. And so some of the things that are uh, the trauma that a mother faces or a pregnant sister faces especially in uh, increased stressful environments where she's just trying to survive and get through, uh, it's also going inside the fetus. And that child, even before coming into the earth or coming into the world, it's already affected by trauma that they did not experience from being in the world but from, from being in the womb. And she is so right as far as it comes down through generations is that, you know, this one sister talked about the DNA and how we are suffering from some of the trauma of DNA of the slave era and how we haven't confronted that. And so when we look at the Great Migration, right, from 1915 to, I think, 1968, from the sharecropping environment, surely we escaped the physical environments, right, and the abuse from that era. But what we did not escape and we haven't had time to deal with from an internal migration is how do we escape and get through the mental enslavement and the mental environment of abuse and the subjectivity to hostile environments, and how do we manage and function in those environments? Nah, very true. And um, I would like to highlight at this moment, because this is what we're dedicated to, uh, the name itself, Mental Dialogue. It is literally our, I'll say, limited attempt to address what you just talked about, um, if you will, Monty, in the sense of, as you said, we escaped the physical environment, our ancestors did, if you will, and the reality is, I always say, to a degree, collectively, we have never been allowed to sit on the proverbial couch as a collective. If you, sure. if you recall, back in the day, they used to, you know, you thought of going to a psychologist, they would set you on the couch, if you will, right? And mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. Uh, to a degree, that's never been done for our collective and nor will it allow it to be. Um, even in playing the cut by Mary J. Blige, if you will, she later mm-hmm. on in that same um, interview on Breakfast Club, which is very recent, uh, she mentions mm-hmm. trying to just thug it out. That was her actual verbiage, mm-hmm. right? Because we do mm-hmm. have the mm-hmm. concept that, uh, well, that was then or it didn't have an effect. Because here's the reality. Right. Again, the term is a relative. The term itself is relatively new to me, inner childhood trauma. This is a new term, but as we're speaking, it's always been around mm-hmm. whether we had terminology Absolutely. or not. Mm-hmm. But, but again, I'll say personally, in coming to discover this term, I've seen it, you know, some other people talking about it on social media or whatever and got a little more familiar with it. And the reality is, for the most part, me coming to term with the actual term was realizing, wow, 
one, I never heard of the term, which also means mm-hmm. in most cases, I lack awareness of even being able to identify it, one, as an issue. And then when I came mm-hmm. to know of the term and understand it a little better, I become more afraid. Mm-hmm. I become more afraid because whereas our culture has been to, quote, unquote, thug it out, now mm-hmm. learning about the term means I actually got to go deal with this? I, I, ain't su- mm-hmm. I ain't supposed to thug it out? I'm supposed mm-hmm. to be tough despite these and, and, and let's bring it all the way up to the, today, because as you said, even mm-hmm. though it is generational, we are currently still e- inflicting sure. these emotional wounds due to mm-hmm. passed on, um, if you will, values or beliefs mm-hmm. that actually add to this. So taking it away from way back to, to back, way back when and bringing it up to now, I've had my own experiences that now that I've learned the term, I'm supposed to deal with it. That's scary in mm. itself. Well, yeah, it, it is scary, but uh, I was a part of a group back in 2000. It was a black male uh, psychological group, and we had mental health groups uh, for the most part, and we had phone calls, conference calls back then. And one of the things that one of the brothers on the line, he was a uh, psychologist, said is the best way to get rid of ghosts in your life is to mm. turn them into friends and escort them out of your life. And sometimes we don't want to deal with the toxicity of our parents and of the households that we grew up in because we are, free, we are afraid that we are attacking individuals from the hurt and harm, and we're, we're not supposed to talk about that because now we're adults and we moved on with our lives. When actuality, the toxicity of a childhood environment affects that adult until they address it or until they die. So they then subject so many, there are so many people within our community who are inflicting so much harm on our community from inner childhood wounds that they haven't addressed themselves, which they've accepted as normalcy as opposed to that's not normal. We have to deal with that. And one of the things, Montoya, that you're talking about as far as you learning this new term is now what you have to deal with is the triggers, the things right. that trigger you to make you think about, oh, this could be connected to those things that were said or done to me as a child. Oh, when the teacher says, you know, you may want to study uh, sports because you'll never be a scientist or a doctor, or maybe you want to focus on uh, doing art or sewing because you can never be a judge or one of the significant Mm -hmm. roles that are prominent in our community, is that our school environments, our home environments, our neighborhood, our childhood friends, the toxicity of the homes that they grew up in and how they inflicted on their childhood friends shows up in adulthood. And sometimes we just ignore it and say, okay, this is the new normal, that's just Montoya, as opposed to, no, let's look at post-traumatic slavery syndrome and how it's affecting our culture from going forward and being healthy. Because some of the death issues and disease issues that we're dealing with as people of African descent is coming directly from an era called slavery and post-slavery. And so, We don't have to die as early as we die. We don't have to deal with some of the issues that we deal with if we brave it out, and not thug it out, but if we brave it out to confront our inner childhood demons, 
figure out how do we get them under control, you know, not even referencing the book. But when we talk about healing, right, I think what black folks need to learn and what we uh, have to emphasize to each other is there's no cure for this. There's no magic pill. There's no magic journaling or book or anything that's going to heal the inner childhood wound. There are things that are going to help you manage the childhood wound so that when triggers happen and the trauma shows up, you have now tools and ways to deal with the trauma when it shows up from your inner childhood wound and not necessarily think that, okay, uh, I thought I dealt with this. It's not working, so I'm not going to do that. No, it's like a muscle. It's dealing with the mental health uh, side effects of childhood trauma. It's like going to the gym or working out regularly that we have to manage the triggers from our childhood wounds, not think that we can cure them. I love it. Any thoughts um, on that? <laughs> yes. So I love it because I think this is where you start intersecting the conversation with boundaries, right? Because mm-hmm. I think oftentimes in our community, me being raised in the church, it was like you had to be respectful. I had to listen to my mom. Mm-hmm. And just now, like as an adult, I was able to come back to where some of my barriers were um, regarding mm-hmm. communication, regarding the opposite sex, just based on, like, discipline that I received as a child. And, like, I, I was talking to um, Dr. G about this and my other therapist, and I realized, like, I, I was at church one time, like, playing with the pastor's son, but he was being held by one of the um, ladies of the church, and my mom thought that I was um, distracting the woman. I told her mm-hmm. I wasn't distracting the woman. Like, I was just playing with the baby, and she beat me, right? She tore wow. my behind up outside that church. Mm-hmm. And I had a conversation with her this year, and she was like, that has eaten me alive ever since it happened. She was like, because the woman that was holding the baby told her that I was just playing with the baby. And she was like, I can mm-hmm. see now how it would be hard for you to communicate when you were telling the truth and you were still mm-hmm. Um, met with punishment with that, right? Like, these are the wounds that we carry, mm-hmm. and if we don't take the mm-hmm. time to address them, and it doesn't mean that you have to address them with the other person. It means, like, mm-hmm. being gentle with yourself and recognizing, like, this is a real thing that happened to me, and it's mm-hmm. not okay, and I'm okay, right. and, like, reassuring yourself that you're going to care for yourself and be there for yourself because, that relationship with self is the only lifelong relationship that we'll have. The person that you love, they're going to pass away, but you are going to be with you every single day of your life. Mm. And this is why we have to get this relationship together. And this is why we create boundaries, things that allow us to interact with people so that we can maintain those relationships while honoring ourselves, while honoring our needs and making sure that we're okay and we're safe and protected. Um, and and when we don't do that is when we fall into these patterns. We get triggered. We, we experience life less than what it could be. Hey, don't be reminding me of the times I got whooped for nothing, Ashley. I don't need this on the show. I got I to gotta run the board. I'm a, I'm a minute late on the commercials messing with you. We'll be right back. <laughs> We're listening to the Mr. Dollar Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. 
Are you serious about learning how to earn significant income on a regular basis as a trader or investor in the U.S. stock or foreign exchange markets? If so, you may be the perfect student to learn technical analysis for trading or investing at the Blacks Academy. With over 15 years of experience in investment strategies, here's what a current student recently said about his experience at Blacks Academy. Yeah, this class has been excellent, and I've had a lot of experience trading, but um, this is the most exposure that I've had to breaking down the theory behind TA. I'm really excited to continue the journey. For a similar experience, don't allow new traders with overnight success to promise you riches they can't deliver on. Instead, learn the foundations of trading and investing the right way at Blacks Academy. To learn more, visit them at blacks.academy online. That's B-L-A-X-E dot academy or search for Blacks Academy on YouTube. Clients tell me during intake, I think I have a split personality. I'm fine one moment, but then in the blink of an eye, I can get really upset. After completing the intake questions, I usually end up saying, you don't have a split personality. You have an adult and a wounded child. I then explain that the adult is a metaphor for the part of the brain that is rational, lives in the present moment, and sees things as they are right here, right now. While the wounded child is a metaphor for the part of the brain that contains the unhealed emotional wounds from childhood and sees the present as the past. The important thing to understand is that these unhealed wounds can be jabbed, poked, and brushed up against by current events, resulting in an intense knee-jerk reaction, just as if someone bumped into your badly bruised knee. Significant unhealed childhood wounds fester in the background until the stimulus in the present brushes up against them, releasing a flood of repressed emotional pain that instantly turns your rational adult into an intentionally emotional and irrational wounded child. For example, if you were verbally abused and relentlessly criticized as a child, and then 20 years later your spouse says, Honey, I think you hung the picture a bit off-center. Your wounded child can become flooded with repressed pain and then instantly react with an intense anger that seems to come out of nowhere. But it doesn't. It comes from your wounded child. Since your wounded child reactions are overreactions, fueled by past pain rather than present reality, you react in ways that seem irrational, which is confusing to you and others. So you feel out of control, embarrassed, and angry at yourself which only increases your sense of shame and isolation. Clients usually hate their wounded child, even though the wounded child still longs for what every child needs, love, acceptance, nurturance, and protection. Thus, to heal your wounded child and become whole, you must bridge the gulf that separates the adult from the wounded child, which means your adult must love, nurture, and protect your inner child, which is called reparenting the wounded child. Welcome, welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, have you confronted your inner childhood wounds? Our special guest is Monty Evans, author of Recovering the Gifted Child Within. Uh, my sister, Ashley Thomas, is holding me down. I've got Dr. Tiffany King on as well. Uh, our psychologist is going to help walk us through this thing as we just heard a cut from Counselor Carl. And the one thing that stood out to me, and I'm going to jump right into Tiffany, letting her give her background, but the one thing that stood out to me from listening to that cut from Counselor Carl's YouTube page was the idea of 
um, how you hate the inner wounded child. And so, again, as I mentioned, Monty, at the beginning of the show, even being discovering this term, being aware of this actually exists, a lot of us are, in, a, in my opinion, are not even aware of it to a degree. We are aware that we hate this inner child, but we're not, un, we're not able, in most cases, to play out how that is affecting our lives. Like we try to carry on and not understand what Counselor Carl said at the end, which was you have to still provide, you still have to reparent that inner child to learn how to love it. So I think this is a perfect segue to bring Dr. King into our discussion at this point. Dr. King, thank you, Queen, for being with us. If you will, uh, share a little background and get right into the discussion with us this morning. Absolutely. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Um, I'll be brief just really quickly. Uh, um, as Montoya said, my name is Dr. Tiffany King. Um, I've worked in research and human development for the last 20 or so years, and um, largely a lot of the work that I've done most recently has been looking at um, how um, the things that we've endured as, as children impact us as adults and how um, there are ways that we um, as adults can um, reparent ourselves even or relearn and um, work through a lot of those things. And it's, it's a, a, de- a decision and a choice that we make, and I think that it's one that's a, a lifelong journey, but that we are possible. It is possible to um, overcome and to you know live a life that I think is is freer than we can imagine. You know, even. So thanks for having me. I'm happy to be a part of this, this discussion, and I'm I'm here to learn as well. I think that's the most important thing is is continue to be a lifelong learner, and um, that's what I'm here to do today. No, I love it. Let me ask you this, Dr. King. Again, thank you for being with us. As I mentioned, that aspect of a big part of this, in my opinion, is just even the awareness of inner child. Uh, I mentioned earlier on the show, this was a new term for me, but then when I go dig into it and understand mm-hmm. what it is, I realize this has been around really forever, um, in, if you will, mm-hmm. if you want to go back historically for our community, but just bring it up to date into today's discussion. We are currently having these inner childhood wounds, if you will. And so even the awareness of it, it and, and is just it's not enough. Because I have to, as you said, reparent, or I'm not aware or know that I need to reparent. I I know that I don't like this part about myself, but I kind of go through life just kind of dealing with it, not even understanding what could be done to, to quote, unquote, reparent myself and learn to love that inner child. Uh, We played a cut earlier in the show with Mary J. Blige, who, again, we watched her live out her life. And she's just now getting a hold of this as well. And so I'm very interested in, you know, just kind of hearing your your perspective on what reparenting even looks like, uh, um, if you will, Dr. King. Mm -hmm. I think one of of the uh, researchers that I think has has really helped me to to place this in terms of awareness is uh, Dr. Joy DeCry, who who, um, researches on um, post-traumatic slave Syndrome and and she really uh, done this research for years that has mm-hmm. introduced this notion of us as as descendants of um, those who were captured and enslaved in this uh, country that we all have some sense of um, trauma um, that comes from our childhoods that comes that stems from just the, the generations of hurt and and, and trauma that our, our people have endured in this country and there's some sense of, of of trauma that we all have had to deal with that 
may be different from others. It may it may um, it may not be the same as as maybe our neighbors, but there's some that we've all have, have had to to grapple with. And so I think while we're not a monolithic people, I think that it's a it's a um, a notion that we all have to consider. So when when you when you think about this idea of awareness, um, I think it's not even a, a question of um, how many of us. Um, or whether all of us have had it, I think it's, it's more of a notion of have you begun to even just look at what what, what your trauma is because we all have some. Um, so I think that's the, that's probably the first thing that I'll, I'll have us kind of pause and think about is the fact that whether it's directly um, a part of your life or indirectly a part of your life, we all have some to grapple with. No, nah, fair enough. Well, I'll go to you, uh, Monty. Again, you have this amazing book, Recovering the Gift, the child within and so um again counselor carl mentioned the idea of reparenting mm-hmm. uh, any any thoughts mm-hmm. on what that even looks like again we've highlighted mightily the the history or whatever but again some of this stuff is being inflicted currently you know mm-hmm. from your own childhood so what does that even mm-hmm. begin to look like again i've made the awareness i understand the term but i don't know how to fix this thing Right. So I there's a term I learned, God, back in my late teenage years, a book that I read uh, around transactional analysis. And it burned into my consciousness to where I've kept it very present. And it talks about within each of us as adults is a parent, is a child, and is an adult. And those models of the triple uh, persons within is the parent inside of us is reflective of the parent that was outside of us. The child inside of us is, of course, reflective of the child that we grew up as, and then the adult is the model of who we reference and who we look up to and lean on as far as how we learn to be an adult. The challenge is when you're dealing with inner childhood wounds, however healthy or unhealthy that parent within you is, uh, is reflective on is reflective upon how you're going to treat the child within you. And so, if you did not grow up with a parent who was equipped with healthy child development skills, or uh, mm-hmm. and was very, let's say, verbally or physically abusive, then that's how you will treat the child within you. And if you don't have a healthy adult who can protect the uh, a behavior of the parent as far as inflicting hurt or harm on that child within, then you get into an issue of self-destruction, um, and you begin to incorporate behaviors that are not uh, healthy uh, for you as an adult in your world and the environment that you put yourself in. One of the things that uh, um, the doctor or the gentleman that you uh, played the clip from talked about is uh, the need to, that the child within still needs a nurturing and healthy environment. Mm -hmm. And I think what we don't realize is what that looks like as an adult is that we don't have to keep going back to our toxic family environments that keep uh, re-triggering those wounds from childhood that reincorporate us to go into this self-destructive behavior. But we have to find environments and spaces that empower us as adults on saying, this doesn't work for me. This conversation doesn't work for me. This space doesn't work for me. How I'm growing and development doesn't work for me. But then we also have to challenge ourselves to find ways, not model mainstream, 
because I'm not a fan of modeling what white folks do. I'm a fan of modeling what healthy black folks have done to get to the spaces uh, and where they are and how they develop. Because culturally, there are some things that are historically connected to what mainstream America does that are not healthy for us as people of African descent. And so the reparenting model is very important, but also we have to look at re-adulting in, uh, the one inside of us and how we talk to ourselves because, like, is the one person we will be with for the rest of our lives mm-hmm. is ourselves in those moments and how we talk to ourselves and how we teach ourselves how to talk to ourselves is critical in the reparenting process and the healthy, healthy adult development process because a child who is in dealing with inner uh, childhood trauma becomes an unhealthy adult in so many different spaces. Now, I love what you just pointed out. We got a break in about 45 seconds, so definitely be interested in hearing some of your thoughts as well. Actually, we're going to pay another cut. Uh, but the thing that I picked up the most, and I just want to add some clarity for those listening. Also, for those listening, y'all can get in on this discussion, and I'll give out the number coming out of the break. Uh, but the thing that I picked up that I think is so critical is in breaking down that adult and that childhood that is in you, that those, those things are real, whether we've ever been aware of it or not. And so you're right. What happens is we're typically unaware that the adult or the, well, the parent, I should say, like you said it, the parent inside of us will basically reinforce the very things that caused us the inner childhood wound. So without, so almost unknowingly, we, we do it, and re-trigger and reinforce that the, the negative things we learned from, in a sense, our parents externally, the parents inside of us will remind us with the same type of negative or punishment forms about you're still bad at this or you're no good at this or you're always that. You're beating yourself Absolutely. up in the same manner as your parents did inside of yourself without being aware of it. You don't know. You shouldn't do that. So that's the beauty of becoming aware of this. We all get to break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Elfram's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases and for sales. His no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Elfram Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. Malcor believes that children develop growing up in a loving environment. Core beliefs about self include, I am worthwhile, I am safe, I am capable, which leads to feelings of self-worth, safety, and empowerment, which you may notice are the opposites of shame, fear, and powerlessness. Core beliefs about close relationships include, others are available to me, others are responsive to me, and others will meet my needs, which leads to feeling safe in close relationships 
a belief that my needs and feelings matter, and trust in others. Now let's talk about the core beliefs that children develop growing up with trauma, abuse, and significant dysfunction. Core beliefs about self include, I am worthless, I am unsafe, I am helpless, which lead to shame, anxiety, and powerlessness. Core beliefs about close relationships include, others are unresponsive, others are unreliable, and others might even be dangerous, which leads to hopelessness, shame, anxiety, and anger. As you can see, core beliefs are at the root of the shame, fear, and powerlessness of the wounded inner child. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas. She's holding me down for as long as she can for this morning's discussion question. Have you confronted your inner childhood wounds? Our special guest is Monty Evans, author of Recovering the Gifted Child Within, as well as Dr. Tiffany King. Thank you both uh, for being with us. Ashley, um, I wanted to mention this and just hearing that cut as it kind of break down the core values that um, even as I'm listening to those core values, I, I, I really, they make sense. Uh, I am worthwhile. Mm-hmm. I am safe. I am capable. And when I just hear those three things, Ashley, I talking about what Dr. King talked about when she says it ain't even about the number of us that are experiencing it, you know, within our own community. The reality is more than likely we've all experienced some, whether it's passed down or current. And just hearing those words alone, unfortunately, I can imagine that part of the reason as a culture we relate to struggle so much is because so many of us don't feel all three of those things. Like that's just something that kind of unfortunately inherently aware of for a lot of them, the idea of I am worthwhile, I am safe, I am capable. And then when I juxtapose that against growing up in this hip-hop era, as I always highlight, again, not to attack music, but again, just highlighting the generation I came up in, one of the biggest messages that we always heard within hip-hop, we just talked about this a couple of weeks ago in the Just My Three Cent podcast, is Hip hop is always deeming don't trust anyone, and I see it play out in the culture, whether it's on social media, where and I'm and I'm, I'm bringing up that in particular thing because, in addition to having those values, Councilor Carl goes on to say that those are the initial values you want to have, but you also want to be able to relate it to your interpersonal and relationships where others are available to you. Others are responsive to you. Others will meet my needs. Well, if you don't trust anyone, it's going to be impossible to pull off the healthy, functional adult that does not have inner childhood wounds based on these things, in my opinion. Your thoughts, Queen, then we're going to go to Dr. King as well. Okay, so I have so many points, and I'm going to try to keep it real brief. So, um for all of that, I, so I want to kind of go back to a thing that she said earlier where, you know, like someone might be um, like, why should I face this now? And I think it's so important because awareness creates choices, right? Like once you have the awareness, you can decide to respond differently, even if it's scary. Just like Monty pointed out, like you have to have some practice at that in order for you to build the muscle, in order for you to consistently mm-hmm. respond differently. 
And it doesn't mean that you're going to always do it, right, because you'll still be triggered. The, the to not have so much power over you that you're snapping back. And so it's so important that we address those issues because I think about, like, to a degree we attract what we don't, um, what we don't address. And it's because, like, we get used to a certain level of life, which is why we have to try to get, like, to the beginning. And, and what I'm saying is that um, if if what you are used to is abuse or being treated that way, whether that's from childhood, adulthood, whatever, um, that's what safety begins to look like for you. That's what your body starts to expect, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's what you are going to look for because you're used to that. And so you are going to continue to experience those things because that's what feels safe to your body. That's what feels safe to your nervous system. So we have to do the work of, like, digging these things up and addressing them so that we can establish a baseline for ourselves without the trauma telling us what safe is where I feel like parenting, your inner child, the adult, like, all of that comes to self-care. Because self-care is where we are doing all of those things. I know, like, a lot of people tend to think that self-care, you know, right now is like, oh, go take your vacation and go take your bubble bath. But it's also telling yourself, I need to take my medication so that I'm maintaining a safe level in my body. Or I need to make sure that I'm exercising so that I'm Mm -hmm. not feeling any discomfort. I'm not gaining weight. It's, no, I need to take my ass to bed right now because I need to make sure I get eight hours of sleep. Like, those are ways that we parent ourselves. We don't live in the dysfunction. We give ourselves what we need. We need our <clears throat> It's important that we do that because trauma is such a powerful thing that we will relive, right, which is why when we experience yeah. these trigger events, like, we kind of snap back. We go into our old selves. Mm-hmm. Or, like, people from the church will be like, oh, you're backsliding, right? And so until we address those things, we can't get to our best selves. And, and, like, if any of this stuff relates to you, it's time for you to do the work. It's time for you to talk to a therapist, um, a psychologist. Like, you have to talk to someone because you're not at your best self. And, like, better would life be if you address some of these things, if you put down some of this weight because you don't have to carry it. You can leave the past in the past, those triggers in the past. It will take time. It'll take work. But how amazing would that be for you to have that that authentic just being who you were before the hurt? No, I love it. That was an amazing wrap-up. And I, and I just want to just piggyback this and then Dr. King jump in here. Is as you were talking about those the exercise and the other things, and that relates to where Monty mentioned the idea of if you have experienced these traumas to a degree, you will end up learning how to manage them because the trauma happened. And so what happens is when she, when um, Ashley points out what self-care actually looks like, what happens is it keeps you in a space where you have more willpower to manage the trigger because without enough sleep, without enough food, what happens is you may have learned a technique and to do better, but if your willpower based on you not taking care of yourself is not there, you're going to absolutely jump back into the trigger and kind of restart the process. Dr. King, your thoughts, Queen? Sure. Um, I think one of the first things that, that come to my mind is, is this idea of um, these things get passed down for, to multiple, um, multiple generations, and we don't even know it. 
Um, and when we say it's been passed down to multiple generations, it's, it's resulted in what, what we would consider, you know, really deep psychological wounds that, um, you know, take years and years to kind of, you know, break through with the, the layers of, of what those wounds mean and kind of the origins of them. And one of the things that I, you know, I think about when um, I consider how, how, you know, I myself and people around me that I know have really started doing the work and really have, um, opened up to this idea of of therapy. I, I hate the word even, you know, or, or counseling because we've we, we've we've made it have such a negative connotation. But the bottom line is we've got to we've got to do the work, whatever we want to call it. And so um, when we think about the, the the generational traumas that get passed down, one of the things that I think have helped me to kind of wrap my head around is that they may have been purposeful um, during a certain period of time. And and I go back to this idea of as, as 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 black parents, we often, you know, we, we ask ourselves, you are you are raised in a black household. If, if you if you if you don't know what this know what this notion of do as I say, not as I do means, you know, our our our, our, our historical parents had to have this sense of control, um, this sense of immediate response to um, a, a required behavior because it could save our lives in those moments. Um, while it was functional during that time, because it could it could it, have, it could have cost you your life, what does that look like today? It means that we've raised kids that have you know lack confidence, and we raise kids who um, think it's not okay to ask questions. So they, so now you're 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 impeding on, on creativity and curiosity, um, and, and so and so you have you have these adults who now. Um, walk around with with anxiety. Who walk around with all these layers of of trauma that that come from this place where we needed it to survive, but now what does it look like as adults? You know, 400 years later. Um, and so I think that when we when we talk about the, the the trauma being passed down, you don't. Of course, we keep talking about awareness and and how the first you know thing is awareness. Um, but when you begin to peel it away, you know, beyond the awareness, now you see. That we've we've got a generation of of youth who um, are afraid. We've got a generation of youth who, who like I said, are walking around with with, with anxiety that that's you know through the roof because they've had to to, to um, um, deal with such deeply ingrained fear of this world that says if you ask the wrong question, if you smile at someone the wrong way, if you even look at someone face to face or look at someone in their eyes, then it's a sign of disrespect, and so. Um, you don't you don't get to to operate in, in, in this in this world like like a, a normal human being because we're not seen as normal human beings. And so you know what does that mean from gener- generation to generation? And it gets compounded and it gets you know layered into this um, you know this set of behavior that uh, makes it difficult for us to even you know navigate the world in such a way that makes sense to us. And so um, as an adult. Um, Having to ask the, the 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 question of is this the way as, as a now a parent myself I happen to ask the question of is this the way I want to raise my own children do I want to pass this same trauma down because do I want black boys who you know are not confident who who don't who can't think for themselves who think that I can only do as I'm told and I can't ask questions um, and no I don't want that and so we've chosen to do things differently but it looks different when you parent and it feels different when you parent and sometimes I digress back to the ways that seem familiar because it's the way I was raised. And so it's a constant, you know, 
struggle, honestly. It's a constant battle with yourself and with, you know, um, you know, with my partner, life partner, because we're constantly having to grapple with. I don't want to be that same way, but I also recognize that there was purpose in that. And so in order for me to, you know, do it differently, I've got to understand it for myself. Cause, so there's the awareness. I've got to dismantle it for myself. And so there's the inner workings that, that we've had to do for years and the relearning and the reparenting. Um, but it is possible. Well, and that's where I want to, and that's where I want to go with this, if you will, Doctor King. Uh, we got a caller. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go to the top of the hour break and get to the caller. But I'm, I'm actually mm-hmm. again for your. I'm talking about the adults. You know what I mean? That that yeah. we're experiencing. You know, so so more so than you know. Um, again, I love to focus on the next generation, but I'm talking about the adults experiencing and what that looks like. Like how, like the dialogue on helping the adults who like myself, are becoming aware of this. Mm-hmm. So as much dialogue as we can have about, you know, not so much how we want to raise our kids, but the adults themselves, mm-hmm. like that's the dialogue that, that I'm definitely, you know, again, the question is, have you confronted your inner childhood wounds? So for anybody mm-hmm. out there listening, let me give out the number. It's 646-787-1691. You do have to press 1 um, to get on the call. We're going to go to a break and come to the go to the first caller. Anyone else get in and press 1. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. A little slow on the board. Work with me, y'all. All right, here we go. We'll be right back. Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes. And I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit. And what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. Everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still know it's me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Truth Seekers, please understand, Mental Dialogue is much more than just a talk show. Each and every Saturday, we communicate with you for two reasons, to dialogue and connect. On the dialogue side, we cater to you intellectual outcasts who feel you have no place for honest discourse on race, sex, culture, and African-American business. On the connect side, we've created a community where you can connect with experts specifically in finance, whether personal or business, and mental health, whether it's trauma or to optimize performance along with all the other skill sets from other MD community members. Our mission was to create a virtual nationwide neighborhood where African Americans learn to trade ideas, goods, and services through social media, meetups, and this podcast. To become a neighbor of the Mental Dialogue Community Club, please visit us at mentaldialogue.com. We are better with you than we are without you. We can be neighbors even though we don't live next to each other. Hashtag raise the culture. So what actually is your wounded inner child? Well, it's a metaphor for all your unhealed wounds from childhood 
composed of certain thoughts, feelings, and bodily sensations that are triggered by specific stimuli, throwing you into a trance-like state of powerlessness, shame, and fear. So when your wounded inner child is triggered, you emotionally become the traumatized child you were, still trapped in dysfunction or abuse, which can significantly distort the way you perceive yourself and your relationships. Okay, so I want to bring the metaphor of the wounded inner child to life. Let's talk about Bobby, who grew up with an abusive alcoholic father. Now let's flash forward 25 years and Bobby is married to Julie, who is a sweetheart. However, Bobby still carries significant wounds from childhood that are instantly triggered by certain stimuli. For example, if his wife disagrees with him, he is immediately thrown into a panic and then compulsively avoids the potential conflict any way he can. But why? Because arguments in his childhood always led to pain and chaos. But in present reality, Julie is frustrated with him because he rarely expresses his opinion or lets her know what he needs or wants. She longs for his feedback, but rarely gets it, and so she feels alone in a marriage with a man she's realizing she doesn't even know. Finally, she gives him an ultimatum, get therapy or I'm leaving. So here's another example. Loretta was physically abused by her mother and then became riddled with feelings of shame, fear, and powerlessness. She eventually married Rodney, an angry man who drank too much. She tried everything to make him happy, but never succeeded for very long, so she felt like a failure. And when he abused her, triggering the shame of the wounded in her child, she blamed herself for his abusive behavior, just like she did when her mother abused her. Thus, Loretta's feelings of shame, fear, and powerlessness kept her trapped in an abusive relationship. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Soccer Team, along with special guest co-host Ashley Thomas, our special guest are Monty Evans, as well as Dr. Tiffany King, or Dr. Monty, if you will. Um, have you confronted your inner childhood wounds this morning's discussion? We have a caller, uh, first three, six, seven, eight, last three, nine, eight, seven. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and give us your three cents or question on this morning's discussion question. My name is Christy Gaynell. And I'm calling from Atlanta. Hey, what's going on, Queen? Let me highlight. (laughs) This is the sister that held me down for two and a half years on this show. We've been rocking for seven years, and Kristen was my co-host for two and a half, the first two and a half years. So thank you, Queen, for getting in on this discussion. What you got for us? Uh, You know, it's funny you call this topic because yesterday I was going through so much um, dealing with inner child trauma. And I was shocked at the stuff that came up because I've, I'm one of those people who has taken the time to deal with my inner child and my um, traumas from my youth and have, you know, found methods and tools to work through, um, work through dealing with the trauma and processing it and healing from it. Um, and so with all the stuff that came up yesterday came like, just caught me off guard. I was like full crying and all of this stuff, uh, dealing with, you know, stuff from things that happened between my mom and I when I was growing up, the way I felt about um, things that she said to me, you know, you know, the kind of stuff black moms say, I'm just put it out there. Um, but, and, and, and not even all of the verbal things that she said specifically, but also things that, um, 
were either implied or that I assumed or took away from what she said, you know, like, mm-hmm. or things that she did that made me feel a certain way. And I'll give you guys an example. Um, one of the things was she told me that when I was a baby, she used to pinch my nose to make it thinner. And when I was a teenager, she asked me if I wanted a nose job. So it kind of made me feel like I wasn't pretty, you know what I mean? Like I wasn't beautiful or wasn't pretty enough for her. She didn't think I was attractive. And that kind of played into, you know, some self-esteem issues I had um, growing up. So, and so like that was one of the things that came up for me yesterday. And then there were other things, you know, like anytime she would get angry, she'd lash out because she had not dealt with her inner child trauma. And so she would kind of like, you know, any anytime she was mad or something happened, she didn't like, oh, you're stupid, you're whatever, whatever. So um, I, I, I did a lot of work last night just processing, writing through it, dealing with it. And then like late last night after I had really kind of released a lot of it, I see this TikTok from my mom about post-traumatic slave syndrome and why black mothers um, have a tendency to denigrate their children and how in slave times it was done to protect them because if a slave master saw that your child was excelling, they would want to sell them. And so the mom was like, no, that child's stupid. They don't do anything. They're shiftless. They don't work. They're lazy. You know what I mean? To, like, protect the child Mm -hmm. and keep the child closed. And we've passed down so many of these kind of things where we, things that we initially did to protect our children, we're now doing, and it just hurts our children. But we're doing it because we still haven't healed the hurts that it impacted on us. And we didn't really understand, like, the history of it or the reasons behind it. All we knew is our parents were doing these things and saying, I love you, I love you. So now we see this as love and we pass it down. And I'm one personally who's trying to break, I've tried to break the cycle with my own children, but I'm also trying to help other people break the cycle by, like, bringing to light some things that I feel are helpful in in the healing process. And one of those things for me has been not in healing um, and looking at what happened, not just um, forgiving forgiving myself, forgiving the person who I feel caused me the trauma, but beyond that, looking back at the history of their personal history and, like, what led them to this place, what happened to them that caused them to reenact this on me? What happened to them? What happened to the person who did it to them? And I would go back as many generations as I can to see where it started, you know, or how many how, how many levels it's been passed down. And when I do that, it helps me to be able to forgive knowing that, like, this behavior came from a place of pain for them, too. And, no, I love um, that. That helps I mean, a lot oh, in my forgiveness yeah, process. No, no, absolutely. No, I was no, saying I that helps a lot in my forgiveness process. No, absolutely. Um, we did a show uh, specifically on the toxic mother-daughter relationship, and uh, we had a psychotherapist, Dr. Pittman, on, and, and she talked mightily about realizing that quite often, the, you know, your mother or your parents are causing that hurt. Um, in a sense, if you learn to look at them as a, in a sense, what they look like as a child and imagine what they went through, it definitely helps with that process. So definitely thank you for highlighting that. Um, I would um, ask, um, if you will, Monty, to jump in here because I want to jump 
again, we keep we, 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 and, and we lay out here's where the history it comes from, here's mm-hmm. what a lot of times we continue mm-hmm. to do. The reality is now that you're facing it, uh, what are mm-hmm. the steps to reparenting someone who may be listening in the sense of, um, you know, again, great suggestion by our caller, Christy, in how to forgive the parent who caused it. The reality is sometimes it's difficult to get that closure, so there are things you have to do to reparent and learn to love yourself because the example Christy just gave, uh, it it sounds hurtful hearing it, you know, just the idea of I had to pinch your nose or whatever. I can only imagine what that did to her as a young lady. So if somebody out there else is experiencing that, um, beyond being able to get that correction with their parent who may have done that, Mm -hmm. what is reparenting now? Because you need to see yourself as beautiful despite how you felt years ago, mm-hmm. no matter where it came from. There is a process mm-hmm. to managing and getting to that space. What does that look like in your opinion, King? So a couple of things, and uh, I definitely appreciate the sister and her uh, description and experiences. The one thing I will say first and foremost is I'm not doing my mama's work. I can't do my mama's work because I don't know all the damage and trauma that exists within my mama's life. What I can do is set boundaries and barriers to prevent my mama's trauma from being my trauma as an adult. That's the biggest thing that I would say. The TikTok that she's referencing, I'm almost certain I've seen the same one about the DNA of how parents Mm -hmm. protected their children by uh, degrading them and downing them in front of the master. But then somehow we didn't stop and pause and redirect the energy of how do we uplift and build. Uh, When it comes to reparenting, I think Crystal uh, talked about this earlier and Dr. King talked about therapy. I subscribe to a school of thought of therapy is a journey, not a destination. Is that for some people, because of the weight of the word, you know, Dr. Maya Angelou said one day we'll be able to weigh words and see how heavy some of the terminology we use within our community is. And that is that when we hear therapy within our community, there's a certain weight that comes with it. So now mm-hmm. we have to look at it as it's not necessarily a destination, it's a journey. And for Crystal, uh, what I would say, and for even the listeners now and those who will hear the recording later, is that journaling will save your life. <laughs> I believe that wholeheartedly. But I also believe what got me to who I am today is there are environments and spaces from my early days in the 20s uh, that I put myself into where we were able to talk to other brothers, talk about our issues, our concerns, and then we challenge each other in a healthy, safe way. And so what I would say is for those who are not ready to go to a therapist is that take the step of possibly considering journaling. Also setting barriers uh, and boundaries for our parents. For example, my mother, from my childhood trauma, one of the things I no longer accepted when I turned 30 is my mother yelling at me because it caused triggers from childhood. And I told my mother the moment she starts yelling, one, I'm going to hang up the phone if we're on the phone, two, if I'm in her uh, space or in her environment, I'm going to leave that space or environment because it's not healthy for me to trigger the childhood feelings behind yelling at me 
was also coupled as a child with a beating or a whooping. Mm-hmm. Another thing is that we we have to seek out spaces and environments that empower, encourage, and challenge us. And so that's part of the reparenting is that we have to get around people who look like us. For me, it was other black male discussion groups, other black male environments where we could talk authentically and openly about our childhood and adult experiences, but then also we lead those spaces with a challenge, a mental challenge, uh, emotional challenge, or a learn as far as educational challenge. Uh, another thing is, uh, and I'll, I'll pause after this, is that uh, we, after forgiveness, we don't necessarily have to continue to deal with that person. Is that I can forgive you and I can go on the other side of the street or the mm-hmm. other side of the world, and I'm not holding on to what you did. I have forgiven you, but I do not have to continue to deal with you. What we have not dealt with, and I'm not sure when we'll deal with this as a community of the people, is the toxicity of religion in our community, the toxicity of our parents, and the toxicity of our environments, and how do we look at just because uh, – what's the the best way of saying it? Just because our parents put us in those environments does not mean we have to spend the rest of our lives in those environments because – those religious environments may have worked for them. But as we're starting to see and as we've seen is that the hell and brimstone messages release a whole different type of trauma on children when they grow up is that they're afraid to do certain things because of these messages they got as children in toxic religious environments and institutions. And I know, Montoya, that's a whole other show to talk about the talk. Yeah, you, you definitely took the show. I'm, I'm, and I'm going to let you talk through the break, taking us to another show, another, a whole another show. We're going to do that another day. <laughs> Not today. We're up against okay. the break. We'll be right back. And I'll okay. talk good. And I'll, okay. I'll see if Christy has something to say out of the break as well. Um, this morning's discussion okay. question, have you confronted your inner childhood wounds? If you want to get in on this discussion, give me a call at 646-787-1691. We'll be right back where all I ask is that you pick. Do you need marketing designed specifically to compete in today's digital age? Well, look no further than Emoreage Digital Business Solutions, a marketing agency that's well-equipped to provide solutions to the challenges faced by businesses looking to acquire and retain customers in today's ultra-competitive marketing world. Whether it's video creation, website or logo design, mobile app development, social media and email marketing, or e-commerce design and development, Emoreage Digital Business Solutions has the answer. Visit them at emoreagedbs.com. That's E-M-O-R-E-J-D-B-S.com. Or call 864-221-3632. That's 864-221-3632. Emoreage Digital Business Solutions. We're the solution to your marketing challenges. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478 478- 478 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478- 478-
478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. Still, Ashley Thomas helping me co-host this thing for this morning's discussion question. Have you confronted your inner childhood wounds? Our special guests are Dr. Monty, author of Recovering the Gifted Child Within, as well as Dr. Tiffany King. Got a caller still on the line. Christy, I wanted to give you one last thought before we continue this conversation, but thank you for that input. Definitely dope that you are, as you said, doing the work. Uh, but I think your example is exactly what Monty spoke to in the first hour, that the reality is even when you finally become aware and start to confront this, as he said, you still end up having to manage it when you find out you have this trauma or have this wound, and as you said, it recently came all back up for you, even though you've been doing the work. So I think your example highlighted to his point that it is an ongoing thing that you have to manage, and thank you for your input this morning, Queen. Uh, one last thought before we let you go. Yeah, I wanted to say, like, it's it's not necessarily that you're constantly managing the same things. It's that there's levels and layers of trauma that a lot of us are dealing with. And even though you work through certain aspects of it, like say you might work through stuff that you dealt with with your father, that doesn't mean that you dealt with the stuff with your mother. So every person that may have caused you trauma in your life, that's going to have its own process. But I also wanted to address one of the things that he said, which was I'm not doing my mother's work. And when you're dealing with um, – these kind of traumas that are generational, if you're not willing to do the work of seeing the generational history that's led to you specifically dealing with what you're dealing with, you end up passing it down to your children. And for me, that's what I was in danger of. I was in danger of passing down the same behaviors and thoughts and mindsets to my kids. And so I had to look at my entire family history and find out, like, where did this behavior come from and why have so many of us suffered through it and nobody has made the effort to change it and then choose to be the one? So I would say to you, and I'll let Monty speak as well, I would say I agree with him from this standpoint because I think in a, to a degree that's a big toll in a sense to take on and be what you need to do to be okay. I think you can be okay with some of the – the techniques that he mentioned um, to a degree, because ultimately um, the main thing is what traumas did you experience, even though maybe say maybe your mother or your father's trauma may have caused specific things for you. But I would say the main thing is figuring out what are yours? Where is your inner child wounded at? Because there are techniques where you can come out of it even without doing it to a degree. Monty, go ahead and jump in on that. Um, I, you know, again, I know you made your comment. And I just want to say I, I understand yes. where you're coming from. But go ahead, King. Okay. When I say that I can't do my mother's work, what I'm saying is that my mother inflicted a lot of hurt and harm on us as kids. Uh, and I'm not sure at 84 if she's interested in going back to figure out where all that hurt and harm comes from because the best of her years, and as my dentist said a long time ago, the longest part of her rope is behind her. 
And so her going back or her willingness to go back to unearth some of that trauma to figure out where it came from and all that, that's what I mean by I'm not doing my mother's work. As far as for me, when it comes to the trauma from my inner childhood wounds that show up from time to time and managing them is that you are right, is that the trauma experience from my mother is different than that from my father, is different from that from my uh, brothers and my sister. But it's about me and my mental health because your mother may not be interested, your father, your friends, they, not may, they may not be interested in improving their health, their mental health, their emotional health, their spiritual health, and all of that. But if you are committed to you, then you do the work for you, and hopefully you can model for them what they can do for themselves. But as far as trying to go back to figure out where it all came from, that's like trying to go back to figure out why did slavery start. Whatever caused slavery, whatever happened, and if we spend our lives going back to it, we can't undo it. What we have to focus on is ourselves in this moment and in this time and what's ahead of us and making sure that some of the trauma and some of the issues that we experience from our parents, we don't reenact them on our children, but we cannot do the work of anybody than ourselves. Dr. King, I'd love to hear Dr. King, your thoughts on this. Well, no, I'm 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 completely here with the with with, the, with what's being said, and I totally agree. I think um, Christy Christy wrapped it up and framed it way better than I could have earlier. So I think that um, you know, we're we're right in alignment here. Um, one of the things I guess I'll add to this is that that um, I know you guys have already mentioned forgiveness, and I think that part of our journey as adults is even if we don't have the deepest understanding of, you know, kind of the origins or the ideology of this, you know, you know, like I said, Dr. Joy DeCrys is the, the the author who, or the researcher who coined this post-traumatic slave syndrome. And we can just put it in that bucket and say that it all comes from that place. But I think understanding that it was functional, um, it had purpose, I think is one of the most important things when we talk about forgiveness and how we move past it and, and, and then to try to understand, is there, is, is there a place for it today? You know, and I think the the first thing that we think about now is that there are situations now today where yes, it is important for us to have you know discipline and um, our children to understand the importance of, of listening to us in a moment that may be um, dangerous or that there may be a situation that could be like. Dr. King, if you don't mind, Queen, I'm I'm I'm, ask, I'm asking if you don't mind, I'm asking about the the dialogue uh-huh. of. What Monty was talking about. I don't. I don't know. Maybe I'm not following where you're going. I'm asking about mm-hmm. currently somebody dealing with it right now. Like, what does that look like? And there's a dialogue between Christy and Monty asking about, um, you know, how do you deal with it? And Monty puts it in a, a window of ultimately you have to deal with this. And he highlights can't do the work for. Um, you know, for you know, for your parents, if you will, and to be fair to Christy, I know she's not necessarily saying do the work, uh, but she was highlighting the need to go way back. And I'm asking, in your opinion, because um, mm-hmm. I, I would say I line up with Monty. You don't have, you don't have to agree with me, but I'm asking your expert opinion. How do you see mm-hmm. the work that's necessary for you as the adult individual that has this wound, not the parents? Yeah, I don't know. I'm just trying to be trying to be focused on the current adults that have this, these, these inner childhood wounds. Yeah. And I think, okay, and, I'm sorry, go ahead. I think what, 
Right. What I think what I'm saying is is that us having an understanding that, that it was functional, that there was purpose there, and that for now, we, we're, I'm, what I'm saying is that now we have to ask ourselves, is there function in, 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 in what the lessons that our parents were trying to instill for us? Because I think that in order for us to get past it, we have to end it. And for me it was I had to understand that, you know, my mother's capacity for for parenting and her capacity for understanding the origin of the things that she chose to do and the things that she chose to instill and maybe the way she did it that, you know, inflicted this trauma, that it came from a place of purpose. And so we have to ask ourselves as adults right now, is there function, is there function now? Is it relevant today? If it's not, then how do we how do we instill those lessons in a different way? If it is still functional, why is it still functional? Because I think that in order for us to not pass on the trauma, if we don't develop an understanding of it. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, Queen. We're in a different space. I'm just being very sincere with you. Like I'm, we're in a different. I'm, like I'm not. We're not having a discussion about what we're passing to our kids. Like no, like no, I, and I get that. Saying okay. is, we have to understand today is their function in those things as adults, and I think that what Dr. Monty is saying that for him it's not functional for his mom to holler at him, even if she thinks there's purpose there, even if she thinks that there that's the way she's done it, that's the way she's communicated. He's saying for him that today that's not functional for me, but he did he didn't know that that wasn't functional for him until he and he until he developed a sense of awareness number one around it, number two that it, what it passed on to him, and number three. He he decided that that's not how I that's not that's not a good trigger for me as an adult, and so I don't I don't think we're on a different path. I think that I'm saying something different. I'm adding something different to the conversation, and that is that beyond awareness, beyond you know, and I'm not talking about passing it on to our children. I'm saying for as an adult, we have to ask ourselves what is the function of that, and how does it serve purpose for us as adults? If we don't ask ourselves that question, how do you how do you pivot and do something different? Ashley, jump in here, Queen, um, and, 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 and maybe you can help me better understand how, how that question applies because it's not connected for me. I will admit. So I, I think I think what um, Dr. King is saying is that. I, so I understand where you're coming from, Montoya, but I think what she's saying is that regardless of if you think that your parent should be doing the work or that you should be going back, you really have to decide, like, is this something that's um, working for me right now, right? So she is adding on to your point. Um, And I think, Dr. King, what Montoya is saying is, do we have to do the work for our parents, um, where Christy was talking about she was going back, or is it that we should be looking at this like, you know what? my mom is going to do the work that she needs to do if she decides to do it, right? To Dr. Monty's point, she's 84, so she might not do the work. So I don't have to worry about that. I need to worry about what's impacting me and trying to move forward through those issues and not necessarily going, what what did my mom experience that caused these issues? What did her mom experience that caused these issues? And, like, try to get that deep. So if I'm saying the same thing, Montoya, Dr. King, what he's saying is, is there one that that you feel is better than the other one in terms of people addressing those issues with their parents? Yes, you got it. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say, Ashley. Maybe I didn't make it clear. I think that if we Can I jump in on one thing? Yeah, please go ahead. Um, yeah, go ahead, uh, Monty. 
please. One of the things that Dr. King said, and I think uh, uh, Crystal also talked about, was the word forgiveness. And, and, and one of the things I've learned about forgiveness is, and I think it was, it was from a book called The Tenth Insight by Dr. John Redfield, is that forgiveness is knowing that a person was doing the best they could at exactly. that time with what they yeah. knew and with what they had. And exactly. when I read that I was on a plane in San Francisco, the plane had not taken off. It was on a tarmac about ready to take off. I got to that part of the book. I'm sitting in the bulkhead. There's this white man sitting next to me, and I lost it emotionally and was wow. crying. I mean, I was trying to prevent the ugly cry on a plane when I couldn't <laughs> get up and go to the bathroom to get composure because it all came clear to me is that mm-hmm. I can't hold on all of this. Because this will make me self-destruct. But I've got to forgive my mother. I've got to forgive my father for him abandoning us. i got to forgive my brothers for the way they beat us as kids. You know, we were the younger ones and all that. I've got to forgive white folks. I've got to forgive black folks. I've got to forgive the rich, and I've got to forgive the poor. I've got to forgive Pookie and Shaquita. There's a whole lot of folks that I have to forgive because if I hold on to whatever perspectives I have in my mind about them, those people, places, or things, it's going to eat me alive. And so mm-hmm. once we get the ideal of forgiveness and we embrace it in its entirety, a whole lot of stuff that holds us back will be let go because we know. I know my mother. I love my mother. Let me be very clear. I know my mother was doing the best she could with what she knew. And the perspective and the context was she grew up in Mississippi, a very racist area. They escaped Mississippi at the, when she was eight years old from an environment of, because I'm the grandson of a sharecropper. And so I come from that line of folks, as many of us did. And so when you put all that into context, then there's room for forgiveness. And then you have to pick up the pieces once you um, have embraced forgiveness pick up the pieces, and you have to move on and say they did the best they could. Mm-hmm. I love it. We're saying, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dr. King. I was just saying we're saying the same thing. That's exactly where I was getting it, and that, and that you know, it, it was functional for them, and that's my point. Mm-hmm. It, it was mm-hmm. of, of trying to traumatize us, but it had purpose back then. And so when we understand that, then you can begin to do the work for yourself, of dismantling those layers of trauma and, and hurt because it didn't come from a place that was that meant to strip you of your confidence. It wasn't meant to strip mm-hmm. you of your curiosity, but that's what it did. And they didn't know that their, their purpose was it, it had functioned. It, it had functioned to save your life in those moments. Um, and you. so in realizing that 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 doesn't work for him anymore. He's had to place some space between the way his mom communicated with him because that's all that she knows it for, right? That's it's so deeply ingrained in her fabric that that's how she communicates. It doesn't work for Dr. Monty, the the, the adult uh, Dr. Monty, because he's 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 peeling those layers away. And yeah. so you know, in okay, forgiveness, me, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm just sure. simply helping to try to bridge the fact that we're all in, we're all we're all we're all stirring in the same pot, basically. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm. I'll, yeah, okay. Got you, Queen. I got, I got you, Queen. Let me there go to this break. Let, let me go to this break. We'll be right back. 
If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Elfram's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases. And for sales, his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Elfram Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. Are you serious about learning how to earn significant income on a regular basis as a trader or investor in the U.S. stock or foreign exchange markets? If so, you may be the perfect student to learn technical analysis for trading or investing at the Blacks Academy. With over 15 years of experience in investment strategies, here's what a current student recently said about his experience at Blacks Academy. Yeah, this class has been excellent, and I've had a lot of experience trading, but um this is the most exposure that I've had to breaking down the theory behind TA. I'm really excited to continue the journey. For a similar experience, don't allow new traders with overnight success to promise you riches they can't deliver on. Instead, learn the foundations of trading and investing the right way at Blacks Academy. To learn more, visit them at blacks.academy online. That's B-L-A-X-E dot academy. Or search for Blacks Academy on YouTube. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Again, that's Blacks Academy on YouTube. Highly recommend for those who are looking to take advantage of the unfortunate current recession that we're in now, which can obviously be uh, a lot of create a lot of anxiety for a lot of people. But for those who understand how to take advantage of these moments, and you want if you want to be one of those people, I would highly recommend that you look up Blacks Academy. This morning's discussion question: Have you confronted your inner childhood wounds? Um, special guest, Monty Evans, as well as Dr. King. Um, Ashley, if you will, Queen, um, again, some, you know, some more thoughts, again, just really trying to uh, focus on some of the stuff that you were talking about, if you will, Queen, in, in re- reference to anybody who may be experiencing, because as I said in the first hour, if you will, um, this was all new to me. So I'm looking for the things that I might be able um, to do, if you will. And at the top of the hour, the um, cut that I played highlighted the fact that people, you know, the examples of that you heard on the, um, from the Council of Call were even the idea that people had gotten as far as getting married while having these inner child wounds. And one wife said, hey, if you don't go to therapy, you know, like that, in a sense, that stigma that Dr. King talked about, um, I'm out of here. And so uh, for me, I wanted to get into that context because not only is it how is it affecting me, but quite often we're to a degree dysfunctionally sometimes getting into relationships, not yet having deal, dealt with our inner child wound. And one wife says, hey, you have to leave. And the other example that was given was the wife who would not leave her abusive situation because her inner childhood told it was told her it was her fault. Again, you're, you say, hey, this is the conversation we want to have. Let's dig in on what that looks like because, hey, if you're not aware, you may be one of those examples. When the show is coming in, um, with Dr. Maya Angelou, where she's talking about, like, that curiosity, um, I, I think that's the step that you have to have, right? Like, you you have to begin questioning 
what you're doing. Um, so for me, like I listen to podcasts. Um, there's the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, right? There's a lot of professionals that come on there and talk about different things. Um, and I know like therapy is the common thing that we say, but what you're looking for is a safe space, a space where you're not walking on eggshells, where you don't feel like you can say that thing that's been bothering you or say that thing and you're not worried about somebody's reaction. You want a safe space to start questioning these things and like having conversations. So like one of my girlfriends, she was like, you know, these are conversations that you should have had with other women in your life. And like, I've never had these conversations. So asking people about their experiences, not to say like, oh, this is right or wrong for me, right? Because that, that places judgment, but just out of curiosity, like, oh, what happened to you when you were a child and you disobeyed your parents, right? Um, Talking about things to see how other people are responding so you can get some curiosity of like, oh, well, I, I tend to storm out of the room when someone says this to me, like, I've noticed other people doing this or my friend does this. Why do I respond this way? What could this mean, right? Like, one of the things that I did with my journaling group is we had the question of why. So you, you have your primary question, you ask why to that, why, and you wait for the answers to come up. And the thing with emotionally processing things is that it might not happen right in that moment, right? Like I, I have times where I ask myself questions to understand why I responded that way. And it might come to me days later or weeks later. And that's where journaling is important because you have the opportunity to put that stuff down. You have the opportunity to get it out. That's a safe space as well because you're not getting feedback from anyone. You're getting your thoughts out. You're getting those things out that you're questioning like, should I be feeling this way? Is it okay to say this? You don't have to worry about that with a journal. You can literally get all of those weird, dark, shameful thoughts out and put it on paper and go back over it with curiosity, not with a, oh, it was so bad that I experienced this, but you have to be curious about why you're responding the way that you're responding and start trying to dig deeper about what made me feel that way, what what happened to me, so that you can give yourself the space to start bringing those answers to you, right? Like sometimes it is that you have to address the person and address those fears. And oftentimes it's just allowing yourself to actually feel your feelings without judging yourself. No, I love it. Um, Dr. Monty, if you will, I think this is a perfect segue to discuss more about this book because um, I would imagine that's what your book helps people do. So for anybody out there listening that in a sense, maybe this is like for myself, relatively a new term, uh, maybe something we've said has resonated with you, and you hear Ashley talk about her journaling group. Uh, Monty's already mentioned the idea of journaling can be a big help if you're not ready to take the step to therapy, if you will. Um, but you have a book that, again, is is entitled Recovering the, the Gifted Child, because at the end of the day, yeah. um, I can imagine that ultimately if we are, in a sense, parented and, and, and given those three those values of, I'm worthwhile, I am safe, I am capable. I can only imagine any child that experiences that type of childhood, they grow up to be, to live out their gifted, you know, who who they are and who they're meant mm-hmm. to be. 
And so, um, um, mm-hmm. yeah, just segue into, you know, this journal. Mm-hmm. Is, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it an assist to this discussion this morning? Well, absolutely, and uh, I think that was was that Ashley or Crystal that just got down. Ashley, speaking. that was Ashley that was just. Okay, so Ashley hit it right on the head. I I'm a fan that journaling will save your life. I've been journaling for uh, more than half my life. I think twenty seven, twenty eight years now, and the things that run around in your mind are so self consuming that once you begin journaling and getting it out of your mind. It allows for new thoughts, new ideals, and new things to enter. And so, which is why I uh, wrote the book, but even before I get to the book, you said something, Montoya, about uh, if you don't want to uh, take on therapy, you can start journaling. Well, I've subscribed to the school of thought that they go hand in hand. And if you're not ready for therapy, then journaling is certainly an avenue or a tool to put into your mental health toolbox that will help you move forward. Another tool is uh, like this sister was talking about her journaling group of sisters is that find spaces and places where will lift you up, challenge you in a healthy and safe way because that too to me, and this is just me, is in the toolbox of therapy. Is that therapy doesn't just look like going to see someone, is that talking to other people who help lift you up, inspire you, move you, that to me, and because I'm going to take the I statement approach, is a form of therapy. Journaling, uh, spending time with yourself is important. Uh, writing letters, uh, to segue to the book, so there's a four-step letter writing process that I put in the book, is that there are people, places, and things that cause trauma in our lives is that if your parents were alcoholics and a certain song came on or a certain environment you went into that was trauma inflicted upon you as a child, that is a place that causes trauma in our lives. And then there are things, is that the stove, if you were abused, that's by putting your hand on a stove or there are some folks who were, I know for me, when I was whooped as a child, my mother would run a tub of hot water and put salt in the water. And if you are familiar with wounds and water and salt, that's not a good mix. And so for me early on, and I, and I, I, I processed that and I managed that really well. But anyway, the book. So that's a four-step letter writing process. One, the first letter that you write is to, uh, in your journal, to say that you're going to open up this wound and begin the healing and walk upon the healing journey. The second letter is probably the second most critical part of the four-step letter writing process. You write a letter to the person, place, or thing, telling them everything that they have done to hurt or harm you or helped you. And so that's the second letter. The third letter is you write a letter back to yourself in the spirit of the person that you wrote the letter to. And that's why I was saying earlier that my mother's work is not my work because I have a letter that I wrote to my mother, uh, and when I wrote the letter to my mother, I had to curl up in my bed a couple of times and cry because I had to unearth those wounds that were holding me back. But the third letter, when you write the letter back to yourself, in the spirit of I'm sorry, because sometimes, I, and I believe this wholeheartedly, if we could go to those who caused a major trauma in our childhood and have a conversation with them, the one thing that will help 
or heal that wound more than anything is them saying, I'm sorry that I caused Absolutely. you so much hurt and harm. But knowing that we may never get that, that's why right. we have to resolve to forgiving them and moving right. past. And then the fourth letter is a thank you letter to them helping you. The journal is a 90-day process. There are two pages. Uh, there are 90 quotes by 90 black people or people of African descent in the book, and there are some uh, points where I ask people to name what they're grateful for, name three people they want to send good energy to. What I challenge people to do is when I released the book back in December, I went and purchased 270 thinking of you cards, different types of cards, thinking of you cards. And so each day I literally mailed out three different thinking of you cards to three people. They were amazed that they got it. But the energy that I got back from many of those who received wow. it helped to pour into me and refuel me into the gratitude of just thinking about people. And then uh, you, you uh, also have to insert is today I love myself for at least three reasons. So you are challenged for 90 days, which certainly creates a habit of you coming up with ways and reasons why you love yourself. And then you journal for that day following that quote. And so this book, I believe, is a tool in the reparenting box. It's not the answer. It's not the magic bullet. I don't believe uh, one thing is that magic bullet, but it's certainly something that people can put in their uh, toolbox of the 90-day guide and journal for healing trauma. Now, I love it. Uh, we're going to go to another break and come back, get Dr. King's thoughts on her hearing about this wonderful book and any other advice that she may give to someone who's faced with this uh, are g coming aware of the fact that they have these inner childhood wounds to, to deal with. Any callers will still let you get in. The number to get in is 646-787-1691. We'll be right back. Well, all I ask is that you think. Are you intimidated by money? Well, this is a question most people never think to ask themselves. But when forced to think about it, many people realize they have unrecognized fears that truly affect how they deal with money. If you want to learn more about money and the fears that keep you from prosperity, join us for Making Money Matter Mondays, where money meets mental health with personal finance coach Ashley Thomas and psychotherapist Dr. Katrina Pitt. Every second Monday of the month, find out if you're intimidated by money and what to do about it. To receive a link to this free Zoom event, please DM the Making Money Matter or the Mental Dialogue Instagram pages or contact 404-604-9477. Speaking of tools, Making Money Matter Mondays, I am fortunate enough, Ashley Tomlin's about to put you on the spot, Ashley, because you called in for the conversation today. <laughs> uh, but since this is a, a, an event we do in conjunction, uh, June the 13th is an upcoming Monday for Making Money Matter Mondays, if you will, Queen. Uh, just give them a little insight of what we're going to be dealing with uh, on this upcoming Monday, because again, this is where money and mental health meet. So we have other tools for those who are struggling, whatever their issues may be, because we focused on finance and mental health with the Mental Dialogue Community Club. So if you will, Queen, give them a little highlight for um, the upcoming months. Yeah, so um, I'm really excited about this one. We're going to go a little bit more on the mental health side of it, but really we're going to be having a conversation about how your money mindset is impacting you and maybe preventing you from being able to make the decisions that are best for your finances. So it's going to be a great conversation. I hope that you'll join us. 
it is a free conversation with a licensed psychotherapist so you can ask real-life questions about what's going on with you and get answers. Love it. Um, Dr. King, thank you again, Queen, for getting on with us this morning. And so um, definitely just highlighted Monty's book. Again, you've been in this field for a long time. I know you're an advocate of therapy. Uh, We have the community checkup, which is similar to Making Money Matters, where and you've been a part of that as well, which is once a month, every last Thursday of the month, our community checkup, our mental health where people get a chance to talk to people like you or whatever, because again, we know the stigma that's associated or around idea of therapy, but when it comes to inner childhood wounds, I think this is one of the most important places that people can learn to deal with sometimes their own issues in a sense with themselves. So um, your thoughts, Queen, about what that looks like or any insight on uh, what what do you think of uh, even Monty's book? So a couple of questions there, if you will, but just want to hear your thoughts, Queen. Absolutely. I think, first of all, we all need to order this book. Uh, Dr. Monty, I I was taking notes as you were talking, and um, I'm excited. I think that um, the the first thing that struck me is that I know a lot of people who want to do therapy or who are on the Mm -hmm. cusp of whether they believe in therapy, who have tried it and think it doesn't work for them, but are willing to do things or, or, or at least say that they're willing to do things where I can work this out myself. Well, I think you've sound, what it sounds like to me is that you've developed a tool that could definitely at least help in that area for people who aren't necessarily ready to, you know, begin the journey of therapy. Well, maybe you're willing to do some self-work. And so if that self-work is, you know, comes with a guide that, you know, even if it's not 90 days and you take your time doing it, that, you know, there's a platform, there's a, you know, a structure there for you to do some of that. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I want to, I want to get my own copy. Um, and, uh, you know, and and share with others. And I think one of the things that you mentioned, if if there was some other stuff that I would add to this, and it's just that we share this with those people who um, aren't willing to or, you know, are afraid to, you know, step into a a therapeutic setting. Um, There are people who love to read, who love to, you you know, maybe write poetry or do things that, um, you know, fall under the lines of journaling. And so, you know, being able to have a, a guide that says for the next 90 days, you look at this quote, you you know, see how it applies to you, you, you know, do some of that self-work. I'm, 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 uh, I'm excited about the opportunity to see what it has to offer and what I, what I can, you know, do with it myself. So, um, you know, I, I think I think Thank you. If you, don't, if you don't mind, Queen, tell them about that because you've been a part of that as well, which is another yeah, great uh, opportunity for somebody that's not ready to step into the you know, yeah, you absolutely. That was my thing. I was going to say that too, and that you know, sometimes um, having space, safe spaces where you can share, and you know, hear other people talking about their journeys, and um, you know, the 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 you know, the monthly checkup is you know definitely a place where you know people who you know aren't necessarily ready for therapy are curious about it, want to hear some other stories and other experiences with it. It's a place where you can where you can you know share. Um, you know, transparently, there's no no judgment, there's no you know pressure to you know step into a therapeutic setting. But it, again, I, I consider it a safe space where it is considered therapeutic because you're getting to you know share openly, you're getting to hear others' experiences and stories, and you know what what better place than amongst our you know our own to really be able to do that. And so, um, I continue to share it, and will continue to be there myself. Um, it's a part of the, you know, the toolkit that you guys keep talking about, you know, continue to add other things to it as we go along and as we learn more. I definitely think I added a couple of things in mind today. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, we love when we have you on and just for clarity purpose for out there listening, it's basically a free zoom. We have sponsors that help 
put on the community checkup as well as making money matters again that Ashley just spoke about. But the community checkup is specifically is we always have on a professional uh, um, like Dr. King so that you can have conversations. We don't record those in particular because we want people again to share sometimes their own therapy journeys as well as ask questions that they might want to ask a therapist and the is we've we've been a bridge to a lot of people actually getting therapy or whatever, which is what we want to do. I do that in conjunction with my brother Sincere uh, from um, the Arts and Culture Show. So just want to highlight that brother as well. And um, this conversation, um, Ashley, you've been wonderful jumping in here on this thing and helping kind of save the day, if you will. Um, I just wanted to just highlight again a couple things that I learned in reference specifically to this morning's discussion and just hear you kind of give you, let you get in a sense, uh, a final thought about these things. Uh, But ultimately when you become aware of it, then there's an opportunity to deal with your, if you have these feelings, the feelings of worthlessness, the the, the feeling of being unsafe, the feeling of helpless. And it's, and, and, and you have to, and it's until you personally contend with that, you will look to others or project on others to, in a sense, save you. But there's an idea that you have to be nice to your inner childhood, your inner child, inner child, I should say. And, and, and figuring out how to love that inner child is what will save you if you feel like you're, in a sense, underwater and can't breathe, if you will. So just... You know, your thoughts, again, again, I know you were very excited to talk about this, and you've been wonderful. So your thoughts, Queen. Yeah, so I, I, I think that's spot on. You know, when, when we have these conversations and we start doing the work for ourselves, we give so much grace to the people in our lives because just like we're experiencing this, we part of this, Wendy, our, our parents are experiencing this, our siblings are experiencing this, our best friends, our aunts, our uncles, right? Like everybody has had trauma. And if they have not done the work, we can't take it personally when people don't show up the way that we want them to in our lives mm-hmm. because they're dealing with this. And healing is not a linear process. You're not just going to go through this and get it. So you are perfectly normal. There is nothing wrong with you. You have to be courageous and keep showing up. And like, you just, life is so much more when we can address these issues and heal our relationships, mostly with ourselves and with other people. And so, yeah, you you just have to keep tackling these things because, I mean, you're not your past. You're not the things that happened to you. Um, you can actually live the life that you want. You just have to be courageous enough things and move forward and, like, speak the things over your life that you want. I know on um, Making Money Matters Mondays, we're big on affirmations, so affirming things for yourself to make it your reality. No, I love it. Uh, well, tell them how they can get this book, how they can stay in contact with you. Thank you so much, King. Uh, wonderful conversation this morning. Thank you, uh, uh, Montoya and Dr. King and Crystal and Ashley for the uh, rich conversation, and I believe certainly a pathway to helping us become even more healthier as black people. You can uh, log on to recoveringthegiftedchild.com. Again, the website is recoveringthegiftedchild.com, and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Let the Child Healed. So again, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, our handle is Let the Child Heal. 
I love it. Highly recommend it. Ashley, maybe I don't know if your general group is still together. Maybe y'all could jump on this. As I said, I think it's a beautiful opportunity. Um, Dr. King, if you will, thank you, Queens, for jumping on this morning. Um, if you want to um, give out a, any co- contact information, please do so at this time. We've got about 30 seconds, so we've got to make it quick. Dr. King, did we lose you? I don't know if she's on mute. You might be on mute, Dr. King. All right, maybe we lost her for the then. Thank you all for another amazing conversation. Uh, June the 11th, Mental Dialogue Live Experience and Fun Day. Next Saturday, if you're in Atlanta, go to mdlivexfunday.eventbrite.com and get your tickets free for Mental Dialogue members. Hopefully, you'll see you all next Saturday. We have three events. Bowling from 1 to 3, the Mental Dialogue Live Experience, 3.30 to 5.30, and we're going to end it with Jazz in the uh, Alley up in Norcross at 7 o'clock at downtown Norcross. So hopefully y'all come out for our event if you're in the Atlanta area. See y'all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think.